This week, Cannondale has launched a brand new Synapse Endurance Road Bike. And in this podcast, I sit down with David Devine, a senior product director, to talk about the new bike, the changes over the old bike, and this idea of smart sense, the integration of lights and radar, all powered of a single battery in a way we've not seen in a road bike before. So without further ado, let's dive in. Okay, David, thanks for joining me. Been a while since we last uh, met, probably a bike launch previously, but here we are with another bike launch. So before we dive into the, uh, the nuts and bolts of the brand new Synapse and what's new and improved of the old bike, can we talk about who you are, uh, what your day-to-day role is at Cannondale, and then talk about the design process a bit behind the new Synapse? Yeah, for sure. So um, I'm David Devine. I'm Senior Director of Product at, at Cannondale. I've uh, been with Cannondale uh, just over 10 years. Um, in, in my role, I, uh, I work with product managers that help uh, put together the specs and targets for the new bikes. We work in product development with all the other functions like engineering, industrial design, graphic design, marketing, sales. Um, kind of the interplay between all of those roles that help turn an idea or a concept into ultimately the bike ride that everybody gets to enjoy. Oh, wow. And I know you've been involved in the two previous synapses because I met you at those launches, 2017, I think, and 2013 or 2014? 2014, 20, yeah, 20, model year 14, model year 18. Now we switched right, over yeah. to calling them calendar years, but yeah, you're, you're right. Yeah, 20, <laughs> calendar year 13 and 17. And now, uh, now, yeah, so this is my, th- my third synapse that I've worked on. Third synapse. Okay, so when you come to design a new bike like Synapse, and it's a very important bike for Candel, I mean, what's the starting point? I mean, you've got the foundation of the two previous bikes and you've been at, at a company for 10 years, so you've got that experience. Yeah. How do you start? Is it literally from the launch of the last bike, you start on the new one straight away with a, a bit of time off before you decide what the new bike needs to be? We've like the the way product development has started and kind of worked is is a lot of these bikes have to start even um, the concepting phase of them is starting prior to even uh, launching the the current version. So um, as we go into the final development and commercialization of, of a bike, we've already started on the next version, starting to do some of the research, rider interviews, stuff like that. Synapse is, uh, is, is a special one for us. Um, that category for us really started like way back in, I'd say early 2000s, something like that. We had a bike called Road Warrior, and Road Warrior was our first bike that had a little bit taller stack, a little bit shorter reach. Um, it took a bigger tire, um, even still with a rim brake. It used like long reach brake calipers and stuff like that. And uh, that was really the start of us making road bikes for just road riding. Um, and then that Synapse category kind of evolved a bit. It was our first carbon bike as well. So before. Um, before we had ever made a carbon bike, uh, everything was just uh, was, was aluminum um, with carbon forks. And then in 2006, we made that first carbon synapse. And uh, yeah, first carbon bike for Cannondale. And then there was another synapse in 2011 and then another one in, in 13. It kind of went through this evolution where it became like a real Pro Tour race machine that came out for four weeks in the spring and then went away for the rest of the year. Um, and as things have kind of evolved within uh, how people ride road bikes with the rise of gravel and aerodynamics, it's really given us an opportunity for each bike to have its, have its own space. So like we, we block out our road line in, 
in kind of three ways. We look at race bikes, endurance bikes, and then gravel bikes. And endurance to us is just people that want to go out and enjoy road riding. Um, so that can be like uh, somebody that is maybe events-based, wants to do a Grand Fondo or something like that, or somebody that just rides with friends in a small group. Um, but likely not like somebody who's pinning on a number or, um, or measuring their FTP or something like that. Uh, and then likewise, maybe somebody that's not doing like extreme gravel racing or, or something like that on, on really serious terrain, but somebody that enjoys uh, pushing themselves, somebody that enjoys climbing, uh, cornering, uh, kind of those, the dynamic feel that you get out of riding, uh, riding a road bike. That's that road warrior. I don't think I've heard that name before. I must try and find a picture to flash up for viewers. That's a, yeah, that's a good name. Yeah. That is <laughs> road, road it back. That's, uh, that's very like uh Cannondale Sobe era, like the okay, yeah. uh, early 2000s. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So the, um, the synapse is, um, kind of a pillar of the road bike range and then it's probably your most popular bike, I guess. Is it more popular than aero and road racing as a category uh, for you? Yeah, I mean, it, it, they're they're all actually quite kind of balanced out in terms of in terms of units. And in, in the past, historically, Synapse has been a has been a huge volume business for us. A lot of those customers have have um, shifted over into gravel because it's a great way again to get out and enjoy the outdoors and and try new things. Same way that people use Synapse, um, uh, kind of in the past, but. I think now what we see as we as we um, kind of rebirth this this platform um, headed into uh, headed into the next decade is it it gives a greater focus for people that just want to get out and ride road bikes um, and kind of depending on your geography um, you can mix in a little bit of gravel or dirt roads as well. Okay, I know with the 2014 model, Peter Sagan was heavily involved because, like you say, it was a bike developed for Paris Bay in Flanders, kind of that kind of few weeks of cobbled racing. But then also a bike that really appealed to you know normal riders like myself who ride rough roads, crappy road surfaces all the time. Yeah. So that race focus was a big part of the development back then. Is it still a big part of the development now? Do you still work with a pro team, get feedback from them? Or have you moved further away from pro riders and more to what everyday riders actually need when it comes to that sort of bike? Yeah, it's a it's a bit of a mix. Like the uh, pro rider that we look at for that bike is um, has shifted. Like I see somebody like Ted King as really heavily influential for a bike like Synapse. Um, he's somebody that maybe isn't uh, pinning on a number, but he's got high demands of what he expects out of um, at least when he's riding a Synapse. He's doing a ton of gravel racing for us now. Um, but when he's doing uh, big road rides. Um, Synapse can be a great bike of choice for him to, to tick off those big miles or big events. Right now, he's doing what I think what they call the whole coast of California. So they started up by Oregon and um, they're headed down towards San Diego. And uh, he's doing that on Synapse this week. And um, so he's got he's got the new bike out there. And um, yeah, we spent some time with him um, up in uh, up in his house in Vermont, getting them all set up. And um, he's quite stoked with it. So I wouldn't say. Uh, we might be getting away from world tour, but there's a pro that belongs to this bike and the performance requirements are, are up there. And, um, we have to work that into the development of, uh, and design of the bike. I guess when you're designing a bike for pros, it's fairly easy. You get the feedback, they want it stiffer, lighter, bigger tire clearance, but when you're designing it for not for a pro, but trying to imagine the typical rider for a bike, it's a bit more difficult to imagine who your target customer might, might be for that bike. Yeah. So it, 
this is a totally different product development for us than, than anything we'd ever done, whether it was the research phase or actually gearing up and, and uh, hiring the right resources in order to get it done. Um, the partners that we had to work with, uh, totally different development than any other bike development I've ever worked on and um, by far the most resource intensive and most people working on a project that, that, I, that I've ever been on. Um, it's, it was different for us in that we started with uh, being able to observe the behaviors of our riders. What products are they using? Uh, what's it like them getting ready for a ride? Um, talking and interviewing people, doing surveying. Um, we had a lot of that already in place when, when um, the pandemic hit. And then we had already that kind of digital connection with our riders and we could reach out to people, ask them questions, do interviews, uh, phone calls and uh, be able to run ideas by them, but then also drive it a bit on uh, what data is available to us. And so uh, a bike like Synapse, part of the, the genesis of it and, and working in the SmartSense system was what's a pre-ride like for a rider? And then what's on their mind while they're riding? And how can we make both of those things either easier or more enjoyable? And um, when we talk to riders, they're concerned about road safety. They wanted either tools that would give them more confidence or something that would make them more visible to riders or to drivers. And uh, we just baked that into the early, early part of the bike. And then from there, we had to build up the resources in, in app development, in app testing and, and, and quality in uh, connected device testing. And then also like work together with, with partners like Lazine and Garmin to be able to build out those products and that whole ecosystem. Um, so just going from product concept and understanding with empathy what riders did to get ready for a ride and what they were feeling while they were going for a ride and then converting that into a product. Okay. Now, since you mentioned it, SmartSense is a big part of the uh, the new bike launch. And it seems from reading the press release that the SmartSense tech is as big or even bigger than the actual frame updates itself. Yeah, there's a, bu a bunch of significant, uh, significant updates to the frame, whether it's in aerodynamics or comfort or tire clearance or just Simplicity and ease of use, ease of ease of working on it, things that are big steps forward for us. Um, but this is the first bike that we have that will use the SmartSense tech that we developed with um, with Garmin and and Lazine and our in-house resources. And that's a that's a really big part of um, of this new bike. Okay, how long has the uh, the idea been on the table for this SmartSense? And were you ever tempted to do your own lights and your own radar rather than partner with Lazine and Garmin for that technology? They're, they are really complicated developments. I guess maybe tempted, but we've got good partners and uh, they have years of experience and years of IP and um, they had a, a really strong head start and I'm glad we didn't do it any other way. Lazine's been a great partner. Garmin has been absolutely a great partner. Um, I would say the original potential idea for this goes back to like 2016 or so. It was before we ever did the wheel sensor or anything like that. Um, a great, great team of people at, um, at Garmin had, had kind of an idea or a concept for, um, for something similar to this. And, and um, being able to start, we started uh, working on this project, I would say in, in 2018 in seriousness, we had, we'd got the wheel sensor through as a project with them and we're into um, into production on that and we we're like okay it's time to start on that the uh the the other thing that we both really want and um and uh we went we went from there what do you say to people who might think it's a bit of a gimmick 
what you, how do you answer those critics if there were critics out there saying that? I think I'm not I saying I am saying that. I'm just saying no, just no, be no. devil's advocate. <laughs> there, there's for sure going to be those people out there. Um, I think the thing that we've learned uh, from from talking to people about it is that people are typically skeptical. The people that are skeptical are skeptical until they've used it. Um, and then once you use it and take it away from somebody, there's this kind of like feeling of uh, nakedness that, that you're like, okay, I kind of want that back. Um, I was talking to somebody on Friday and um, really experienced cyclist. Uh, they've been in the industry for 20 plus years, had never ridden with radar. And it is a very experiential thing. I can sit here and talk to you about what it's like to have radar on, on your bike for the longest time. And um, the most convincing thing is going down to the bike shop, taking a loader unit or taking a friend's unit and going for a ride with it. And uh, the feeling of confidence, the posture that you have on the road, knowing exactly what's behind you while only looking in your forward field division is something that when somebody takes it away, um, you instantly kind of kind of want it back. Um, so I would say to skeptics, give it a try. Um, it's, uh, it's something that you have to, if you're skeptical about it, you have to experience it. Yeah, I mean, I have used a Garmin radar on my bike for the last few years and I live in the countryside. And you don't often see a car, but when you do, they're going pretty quick and it's bendy roads. So again, that sort of early warning is something I really appreciate. You don't have to look over your shoulder quite as often. And it, it's amazing how quickly it picks a car up before you yeah. even hear it or get a sense of it. So um, that, that case of, and, and that, that, that's, I think one of the, one of the really interesting things about it is like, uh, it lets you know when there's a car there, when you don't, when you don't expect it, you're just enjoying your bike ride. And you've got into that place where you're turning over the pedals and your brain starts to work and you're thinking about all the things you need to do this week and the things, the problems that you're going to solve and all these, these things that the reasons why we ride our bike is it helps free up some brain space to solve problems and, and think about things. And instead of ruining that by having a car speed past you and you didn't realize, it just gives you a little bit of early warning and you know exactly where it is. And then you can get right back into that kind of headspace that, that you were, uh, looking for when you set out to ride your bike yeah that's a really really nice way of putting it actually i totally agree with that because cycling should be a relaxing experience where you can lose yourself in pedaling and your thoughts and i often do a lot of my thinking on the bike but if you're so paranoid about cars and you're always looking over shoulder you can't relax can you but having that sort of early warning system yeah so so um i mean road safety is it's definitely a bigger issue it feels like um given the press at the moment about you know cars motorists the cyclists a lot of anger at the moment and for a lot of cyclists, that's moved them away from the road onto gravel. And gravel bikes are obviously exposed over the last few years. You've got the top stone in several different uh, versions. Do you see the endurance bike and the, as a category or its future threatened by the growth of gravel and more people going for gravel? That sort of versatility of going road, off-road, and the sort of the, the role for the synapse being threatened by that growth? I think I see it. I think I see it a couple of week, uh, a couple of ways, and I, I've I've talked to some riders about this recently because, um, yeah, probably you, you and I have have noticed this as well as as riders ourselves. Like I, we spend more time riding gravel bikes, and um, you've probably gotten into mountain bikes as well. I'd I'd, uh, I'd suspect um, more more than you had in the past. But um, I think what I've observed as I've worked in the bike industry, whether it's working in bike shops with customers or uh, developing and selling bikes is most of these things are cyclical. And if you came to road riding to feel a sense of speed uh, and cornering and seeing things by bike, 
um, eventually you'll want to come back to writing on pavement. And I, I noticed that kind of in my own, my own behavior as well. It's like, uh, a lot tougher to go to get the thrill of going 45 miles an hour on a gravel bike. Um, and they each offer their own different thrills and exploration and all of that. And so I don't, I don't think road, road riding is going away um, the same way that racing is not going away or anything like that. They just go through their different kind of um, time in the sun or, or cycles. And uh, I think I'm expecting with, with how quick that gravel grew, um, that will have brought new people into the sport as well. And maybe some people that were already in the sport went over to gravel for something new and fresh. Um, they might start uh, craving that sense of speed, um, sense of speed again. And, and you can really only get that on a road bike. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't ride gravel in the UK as much as I do in the summer because around where I live is really muddy and boggy. So I stick to a road bike. And I guess I can see a lot of people get into gravel and think this bit slow and trudgy so going back to the road bike for that thrill of speed you can't replicate and it looking at the uh the, the frame technology and the changes like a bit more aero a bit more tire clearance, it seems you've been fairly careful not to make tire clearance too generous as an overlap with the top stone it's a bit more aero but it's not going to threaten the um the system six so it's it being quite a careful sort of update to make sure i guess my question is like the, the categories are becoming more overlapped than before like the system uh the super six sorry take wire ties you could turn into an endurance bike couldn't you but you couldn't turn the synapse into a gravel bike unless you went for a 35 light gravel tire so is it kind of keeping those categories fade to find while at the edges they are pretty blurry these days i think it i think it gravel definitely depends on on your geography like there's places at least here in the u.s where that 30 to 35 semi-slick tire is a really great gravel tire like packed in dirt roads without much bumps without rocks that are going to help you lose traction or anything like that it's like dirt road riding whether it's uh up in vermont here in the u.s or out in boulder like that's 30 to 35 tires a great tire nope nobody would ever ride in the midwest with anything that starts without like a four um, so you'd want a 40 or a 42 or something like that for, for some of those big kind of chunky places or places that have like, um, almost ledge within their, their gravel roads. But, um, in that way, it's like that starts with a four number is the cutoff for it being a dedicated gravel bike for us. I would say synapse is a bike that you can blend pavement road riding with maybe some all road dirt, uh, dirt road riding. If you, um, if you want, like on, uh, on Ted's bike, I think he's got zip 303 firecrest wheels uh the 25 millimeter inner rim width ones and then some renee Earth tires that are like 35c it's like a 36 or a 37 millimeter tire and for a lot of a lot of people that's a great dirt road riding tire um and so that that does kind of create that little bit of category blender um seen kind of the same thing on on super six where you can put a 33 slick tire in it if you really want to um I think one thing that's definitely changed over the last 10 years within bikes is like a lot of people judge bikes by what they aren't, not by what they are. And I heard that from another PM and it just, it's, it's stuck with me on every time we develop a bike, we're kind of thinking about that is come up with a personality for the bike, but then also think about what people will say it isn't. And then maybe making some, some things that'll help that, um, that bike expand outside of its core personality. So like with super six, it was like, 
add a little bit more tire clearance than they expect. And now it's a bike that um, Alex Lachlan will take on on uh, uh, dirt road um, racing rides or with uh, with Synapse. Traditionally, that'd be like a pavement only bike. Now we've got a little bit of dirt road riding uh, tire clearance in it with Topstone. Um, throw a suspension fork on it and some knobby tires and you can basically ride single track. So whatever the core personality is, make it a little bit more than that. And, um, and people will, will see value in the ability to do more than what they thought they could do with their bike. Yeah. I definitely see my viewers and listeners always like tire clearance and especially a growing acceptance of wire tires. People are pushing the limits with every bike, whether it's a, a race bike or an endurance bike or a gravel bike, trying to push their wire tires. I, I was curious whether you, we're tempted to go to wire tire 38 or 40 perhaps to, to give that sort of person they're bound to be someone who will try and turn out to a gravel bike of some sort and try and fit a, you know, the wire tire they can in so while you tend to go wider or you try and deliver try and keep it back from being avoid that sort of potential. trying to deliver more of that road road experience like okay. as soon as you get into the 40-ish zone there can be some real concessions in ride handling and feel okay. and like uh, a bike like Synapse will still be judged by how dynamic does it feel when you get out of a corner and start to sprint or um, um, stuff like that. And, and so, yeah, try, trying to keep it in that 30s range so that we could spec a 30C tire and it's still a, um, a fast and quick feeling bike. Um, okay. But just to be able to give you a bit more, um, a bit more if you wanted to put more tire into it. I guess some brand might be grappling with how you keep a clear distinction from one model to another model as I'm getting more and more categories of bikes and yeah, sort of yeah. overlapping yeah. constantly. There are a lot of bikes out there and um, part from a, from a business side for us, um, the clearer we can make it to the customer, what the bike is for and what it was designed for. Um, hopefully the more likelihood that, that they, that they'll understand it and want to gravitate towards that. So yeah. um, that, that's been a, that's been a big part of us going down to those, categories of race endurance and gravel and then trying to make each of those um those personalities clear and the bikes designed around uh around their particular style okay so we've got wide tire clearance which is good it still would take mud guards which is really good as a yeah. uh, british uh, uh viewer um it's more aero and there's more compliance built into it can you expand on those changes they brought from the uh, the aero bike and and the comfort which has always been a key feature of the synapse in my experience always been a, a a big benefit of a design no suspension yet it offers a really smooth ride so you expand the note a bit yeah i think we 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 had a goal um to be just kind of uh straightforward and deliver on the um on the customer oriented like performance metrics whether that's head tube or bottom bracket stiffness a frame weight um and then to be able to get uh as much aerodynamics as reasonable within within some of those constraints and um and we incorporated in just some some truncated airfoils that that helped us um, reduce drag. I think in general, um, I, was, I was looking at um, I was looking at this last week. I think we're, we saved about um, at 40, 40 k an hour. I think we saved about eight watts over the previous version. Um, so it's it's something that uh, a rider could feel um, if they're like a kind of a, a well tuned uh, cyclist that had experience on a bunch of bikes. Um, but in general, just the goal is to, to offer a better ride to people. And, um, that can come as like also a bit of a, a full system too, right? We've, we've got more of those not 45 wheels spec on this bike. We've got the save handlebar up front. Um, those things do double duty in both making the bike lighter and, and faster, but also um, reducing drag. 
I mean, drop stays uh, immensely helpful. Like, so the previous bike had the integrated seat collar and a 25-4 post. From an ease of service and just making the bike a bit more straightforward and, and um, for that kind of just general road rider, um, we've gone to an external collar in 27.2, so just really easy to pack and ship the bike and, and things like that, make, make, it, make it easy for the rider in that, in that aspect. But dropping the seat stay has actually allowed us to add in um, a bit more comfort on this version. I think it's in that um, Zedler uh, vertical comfort test, I think it was about 7% more um, deflection than the previous one. So uh, Steve Smith, the engineer um, who worked on the, the chassis of the bike, um, yeah, did a did a great job in um, in being able to to squeak out a bit more comfort in just the the frame design and laminate, and then we put those bigger tires into which help uh, which help make things a bit more comfortable as well. That's because you're going back to a regular twenty seven point two seat post from the twenty five point four, then but you yeah. managed to get more comfort out of the frame from the drop rear stays. That's impressive. Drop stays is really helpful in the, in in, uh, in comfort for sure. Okay, and the, that handlebar that's the one you had at the launch in twenty eighteen, but didn't Correct. last long yeah the so the, the, save, the save bar yeah. yeah so we had that um we had a launch of 2018 we skipped the 18 model year and then we had it in in 19 we spec we spec it also on evo so it was on evo and and top level synapses and then we're, we're keeping that going on uh on synapse it's on the as you get into looking at the models it's on the one rle and then it's also on the uh on the ltd which is like we did kind of an all-road style spec uh, on one of the bikes so it's um that one's a grx group set grx di2 group set it's got a wtb exposure 30c tire which is like a great uh slick packed in dirt road riding tire in addition to a good pavement tire um and we so we've got the the save bar on uh on on that model as well so that's all your your se bill is it then yeah kind of yeah, yeah. If, you, if you still use that um yeah. looking at spec while we're talking about specs lots of two by shimano i don't see any sram i don't see any one by don't see any campy ekar i may expect to see a bit more uh choice variety perhaps in the group set options yeah we um it's a it's a change for us in trying to make uh the lineup a bit more a little bit more simple and and kind of and kind of straightforward um as you go through the lineup um, and it, it depends on the region because we've, we've got a, a global lineup and then sometimes the regions are focusing on taking in like four of the models. But um, the platform starts off at uh, the Synapse 4 and that's the opening price point. That's the all new Synapse frame. It's got a 10 speed, um, 10 speed shifting system with uh, hydraulic disc brakes. The next model up is that 3L. Um, L stands for lights. So you get the smart sense system with the lights only. And you get an upgrade into 11-speed shifting system with uh, with hydraulic disc brakes at that same time, and then it goes into two RL. R stands for radar, and then you have L for lights. So you get the battery, the light system, and the radar on the two RL. A nicer a nicer shifting 11-speed shifting system. Um, and then RLE is uh, radar lights and electronic shifting. Uh, and then you've got the different models. So trying to really make it about what value does that new model drive over the previous one and being able to build the lineup from there. Um, the SRAM stuff, uh, we have a number of SRAM bikes that are that are in the lineup. They're mostly focused on Topstone and on, on the race side of things. It's not possible to buy a top level like dual race build without the radar and the lights. It's not Correct. optional. It is, it 
comes it's with it. Part of the so, part of the core identity of the bike, yeah. yeah. And does that push a price up then? I guess you go pay for that, or is the price absorbed into the overall sort of build of it. Yeah, we kind of just um, shift around a little bit. Like that top level durace is is really basically every, everything that you you'd want at that level. It's a complete durace Di2 kit. It's our not 45 SL wheel. It's our cockpit setup. It's like kind of best of the best. I think um, still quite uh, still quite reasonably priced. So. Um, yeah, it's uh, a bit built into the price and a bit that you'd pay for it. It's not, um, it's, I would say, still more affordable than if you were to purchase all of those things separate of the bike and definitely more integrated and easier to use and a better user experience. Okay, yeah, I was, I was impressed with the price that top one being under £10,000 because yeah. bike prices have gone a bit, bit crazy, haven't they, the last two years? It's been a it's been a challenging couple of years of supply and costs and all of that. We're um uh, we're we're all we're all juggling some challenges, but everybody sees that in all of the other parts of their life, whether it's grocery store or anything like that. It's been it's been a bit nuts. Okay, with um the frame, one of the key uh, features always has been the uh, the BB thirty bottom bracket. Mm-hmm. We've seen a few other bike brands go back to press fit or T forty seven. Sure. Was that or has that ever been a an idea on a table for Candel or is BB30 to die sort of thing? I think we, we uh, created like a really, I mean, inventors of BB30 made it an, made it an open standard so that other people could use it. It went through modifications from BB30 into PressFit30 into different versions of PressFit30. And um, at some point, a couple of years ago, I think Tide started to change to where people were overwhelmed just with, uh, what the amount of choice was in bottom bracket and uh, the applications. And I think we kind of met internally and decided, okay, if we ever switch away from what we're doing today, we're just going to do the thing that's existed for whatever, 40 plus years or more. Um, and uh, so rather than take something new or take something new that's been modified, we just went straight to the source, which was 68 BSA available from all the suppliers um i had a case like two weeks ago we were building up a couple of um we we're building up a couple a couple of uh, custom bikes um synapse that had uh um force axis group sets and dub cranks and um we had inappropriately ordered a press fit bottom bracket for the bike and called the local bike shop he's like yeah i got a bunch of them on the shelf and um, so the goal was, if we're not going to do what we do today, to do the thing that's existed forever, and just be as straightforward as possible and, and ready to go. And I think I think that'll pay off. Um, that'll pay off long term. Um, I mean, stuff stuff's really changed over the last couple of years. Um, we're as group set developers have gotten into uh, whether it's alternative chainring sizes or uh, the shift to twelve speed. Um, or really uh, lots of um, intellectual property on, on shifting performance and shift ramps. Um, the, the decision is coming for us to start to integrate in those, those crank sets for those group sets more and more and to take our focus that we had internally on something like hologram and start to put it into uh, places that the rider will really immediately notice. So... The original genesis on on Coda cranks and then hologram cranks was increase the performance of the bike and make something better than what everybody else could make. 
um, in a total sum of the bike. And the crank set was a huge place that we could make that performance improvement. Uh, same ethos applies now. Um, and that's where something like more hologram wheels or even the smart sense development is, is take that time and energy uh, and, and, and put it someplace else where the rider is going to instantly notice it. It's going to make a better bike ride. It's going to make a higher performance bike. Okay. That's a good answer. I think, like I say, I think people are sort of feel bombarded with the different standards and they're so like choosing bottom bracket or and proprietary handlebars or seat posts. So just overwhelming, bike, can be. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. <laughs> but you go on back to a, a standard seat post, which is nice with external seat clamps. So no, it's, Apart from the bottom bracket, you got you no. Know, you, you are giving back to the consumer in one way, aren't you? If it's if it's something that that uh, isn't going to have a a massive impact to the way that the rider is riding the bike or experiencing the bike or the performance they'll get out of it, um, in some ways we're making a shift towards being uh, just a bit more simple, easy to live with, easy to replace, uh, easy to customize or personalize if you want to. You can just um, any any of those things too so it goes both ways it makes it um makes it easier for somebody that doesn't value it and wants to value something else but then also makes it maybe easier to to upgrade it if you're uh, like somebody that wants to tweak and tune um all those things okay um i mean getting your crystal ball out if you have one where do you see the synapse in the future in five ten years time where do you see this category going do you think okay it seems like we're at the limits because if you go any bigger and tight clearance you're on a gravel bike more aero you're on a system six so, mm-hmm. I mean, it seems fairly kind of limited in its uh, opportunity to expand or grow or evolve any more than it is now. Mm. Yeah, um, I think we've uh, we've kind of been able to provide an alternative avenue of development with SmartSense. And so with Synapse, we've had this kind of constant evolution of the platform that's led to um, either higher performance or a smoother ride or a bit more versatility out of the bike. Like that's been a, that's been just a constant, um, with the Synapse platform over the last 15, 16 years. Um, and so now with, uh, with SmartSense, it's kind of, there's this, there's this another, uh, fork that we found that, that can lead to, uh, lead to a better bike ride. So, um, in our interviewing with riders, we found people use somewhere between like four and six rechargeable devices on every one of their bike rides. And um, it's a lot It's a lot to manage. It's uh, stupid silicon straps that you're taking off and on before every ride. It's three different chargers. It's all of that, those things. And uh, I think we've, we've made a step in the right direction with, um, with SmartSense and making that a bit more simple. Where you're just able to remove a, a single battery to recharge, and that gets your radar and your lights all set. Um, I think we've got a goal to be able to integrate in more of those things, so the experience is more comprehensive. Um, it's more like the things that are in the rest of our um, the rest of our lives, um, where somebody's worked on streamlining the experience so that you can focus on what you enjoy, not try to like maintain or juggle all of these things that created what you wanted to do it's um a bit more out of the box but then also thinking about the user experience user interaction it's um a different type of product management and a different type of design and um it's been a big shift for us culturally in the company to try to um to try to pivot to that and we've had great partners to learn with and great partners to learn from uh, on that 
Okay. It might seem at first that you're adding more tech to a bike, but you're actually trying to make it um, like less tech, like less batteries for a start, like one battery rather than three or four batteries. So you're yeah. trying to streamline the whole process. If I can ask you about the battery, the battery is attached to the down tube. Were you tempted sure. to put a battery inside a frame? It does remind me of an old DR2 battery attached to the sort of down tube. Sure. Um, yeah. I guess it's easier and you can remove it more easily to charge it up. It's probably the benefit of it being external rather than internal. The, the removal to charge is definitely one of the, one of the big benefits um, that like uh, user interaction of just flip the lever and pull the battery off the top surface of the frame is, um, is really quite simple. Um, we noticed that these, uh, these riders are traveling with their bike pretty frequently. So as we got into like the, the um, slightly larger capacity battery, really, really easy to remove it when you pack your bike and um, you can bring it in your carry on or something like that. Um, in a lot of places, uh, people don't necessarily have the direct ability to charge their bike where they store their bike. And so being able to pop the battery off, bring it inside and, um, and charge it up after your ride uh, was a bit of an advantage. Um, even just on first reaction, being able to see the bike, understand what it does, anything like that. Um, we were, we were all there when, when DI2 came out and I think, uh, just the ability to remove it, to charge it and understand what you're doing and set up that kind of behavior, um, was, uh, was something pretty important. It's changed my pre and post ride, um, experience now where I'm like, I, uh, I'm more likely to pull the battery off and I'm more likely to charge my GPS on time. I'm more likely to charge, um, my, uh, my smart sense battery on time. I'm one of those people that like lives with my phone on 15% battery all the time. So, um, so it's, uh, it's definitely, it's made my pre-ride a lot easier and it, and it makes sure that I have all of those, like the lights and radar essentials on every ride. I just started testing um, a road bike with a dynamo lights front and rear. That's fantastic because the lights are always on, but no batteries. Could you see a you know, battery-less future for SmartSense, like some sort of dynamo system or some version of dynamo in the future, I five, think there, 10, 15 years ahead? There might be there might be enough things on on the bike that we'd want to power that dynamo would would slow you down a bit. Like I could I could see a real. I could see a real possibility where we would erase the aerodynamic performance and more with just the power that the dynamo takes out. Getting a dynamo um, to charge four, four, five lights or radars, I guess might be yeah. too much. Yeah. Or, um, you know, in the future, it'd be great if you could charge your GPS head unit or, um, I mean, the goal is to get that to be the only battery on the bike so that the user experience is like as comprehensive as it is um driving a car or riding a motorcycle is like you have one thing to fill up and then the rest of the ecosystem okay. is self-sufficient and ready to go and um so some of the development we're seeing on the e-bike side where you have one battery in a frame that can power everything di2 and your lights you could almost see that sort of that development over an e-bike being brought over to road bikes not as an e-bike but that sort of idea one battery in a frame to power everything on that bike your power meter yeah your, your garmin yeah. head units i mean e-bikes e um E-bikes were a little bit influential on, on how this bike, on how this bike works. We, I mean, there's like a, we were working on the Synapse Neo um, when, uh, when we started the definition phase of this bike and we were kind of, uh, we were sitting there and we're, we're, we're talking amongst a bunch of road riders and we're like, our, our 
is the user experience of a conventional road bike at threat now that there's this new type of bike that has onboard power that can um, more comprehensively have lights. Um, I mean, many of the e-bike drive units are like integrated power meters and stuff like that now too. Is, is, is that going to start to define what people expect also on the analog side? And can we get started with that having a more comprehensive experience just out of the box with the bike um, rather than relying on somebody going and doing the research independently on which lights are best for their bike, um, which radar is best for their bike, what, what, head, what type of head unit they want to use, picking out all these things individually. Can we, um, we just design a more comprehensive uh, product that, um, that they can get going and just enjoy road riding? rather than have to be the parts picker and, and figure it all out. I like it. Sounds good. I'm sure there'll be a, a bit of backlash from the retro crouches, so you don't want anything electronic or powered on their bikes if you want. want and there are, bikes, there are bikes for them. That's fine. That's, okay. all, that's, all, that's all good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, we, we as, a, as a brand, have a history of um, making things that uh, some people love, and, and then there's generally like a, a minority of people that are like, Oh, don't do that to my bike. Um, but I think that's part of, um, part of innovation, part of pushing things forward is, uh, listening to people making a product around that. And that product might make some people uncomfortable and that product might answer a need for a lot of people. Okay. And, uh, so it's, it's a balance for us. Are you surprised that no other bike brand have done something similar and do you, expect our bike brands to see what we're doing and maybe imitate it or copy it you see this sort of tech being a bigger feature of road bikes generally i guess in the future it um i think the only thing that has prevented has prevented one of, one of the only things that's prevented other people from doing this already is the amount of money time and resources it's taken to get done it's it's been a it's been a significant um significant investment the amount of people that um, have been, this is the first bike that I've worked on that we basically, from start to finish, we had five product managers involved. Um, we've got a, a digital product manager, uh, three PMs on the bike side and um, Jeremiah Bubar on the, on the, our parts and accessories side involved also. I think you, you maybe talked to him before on, on lefty stuff, but it's, um, it's been it's been a heavy one. Um, Curtis Detweiler on our advanced products and and R and D side. It's just it's been a pretty uh, heavy time and resource um, investment because it's new behaviors for development. It's uh, wireless certifications. It's uh, testing and light settings for all of the different regions. Understanding legal requirements for all the different regions, in addition to the actual product sourcing design it's uh i would say that'd be the the number one thing that's prevented somebody else from doing this it's if you go to a group ride and observe people riding this would be like the number one thing that would be underneath your nose as a product developer is like yeah we should we should probably make that not look like everybody just strapped a bunch of things to their bikes and then none of the things talk to each other it's like we should probably make that a more comprehensive easy to use experience if you were uh sitting in my seat and observing riders at events or group rides or anything like that. There's got to be a better way. And then as you get into like the development side of it, it's like, all right, well, we have to hire you know, 15 people to manage that. And then we're going to have to pull these people out of their, their traditional work. And it's going to take like 
the hours of three to bike developments to do this one bike development. Um, that would be the number one thing that would prevent other people from doing it. That said, uh, I expect others will do it and I, I expect it'll be fairly soon. Might not be this exact execution. Um, we've got really solid partners with, with Lizine and, and Garmin, but people will come with more comprehensive solutions that are, that are ready for road riding. Um, I welcome it because it'll make it it'll make it more normal. It'll make it more expected, and then from there we just have to focus on being the best um, and not being the only, but being the best. Well, I look forward to seeing how it's received by the uh, the general public. And um, uh, for you personally, when you you spent three years for how long working on a new product, and you know this video podcast goes out on the embargo date, so will you be out on your bike, or will you be on social media watching all the reviews coming in? And I mean, what's your approach? Do you like hide away, or do you want to know what the reaction is? It's like twenty four like, hours. It's like it's like a Christmas Eve type thing. You definitely get <laughs> you definitely get excited. Yeah. Um, I try. I try to wait a little bit before I start reading stuff. Okay. Um, so like I think we do it. We do a nine a.m. launch or something like that, and then there's like instantly all these reactions. Um, I talk to talk to other employees in the company and try to see what they're seeing as highs and lows. Um. Yeah, I mean, in general, um, yeah, just talk to other people, um, see what they've got going on, because we've uh, we've al- we already had to start the next one. So if I have a conver- if I have a, if I have a conversation with somebody tomorrow, that could that could change the course for the that could change the course for the next development. So it's um, it's an important one. And then, yeah, again, it, the, when we're talking to people, it's just important to get out um, get out all over the world. So we've got. Um, a new product manager also that that's working with me that's that's based in Europe. So we've got just um, we've got uh, interaction with people all over the world. We can listen to riders all over the world, hear people's reactions from all over the world, and 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 that shapes the next one. So yeah, I, I struggle. It's like Christmas Eve. It's like you've got this excitement, and then the nine a.m. launch goes, and then you've got people that are super excited about it. You might have a couple of critiques here and there, and then you've got to get into that next layer of feedback where. Um, where it's the stuff that starts to change the course or help refine the spec for the next development because um, yeah, it's already in process. I look forward, I look forward to seeing what else you got uh, planned and up your sleeves for the next bike launch. We always have to work on, we always have to work <laughs> on new stuff. It's uh it's, um it's been a busy, it's been a busy couple of years and um, not the easiest environment to develop new stuff, but um it's what people crave and expect out of us is how are we going to make their bike ride better? How are we going to make something lighter, stiffer, faster, stronger, all that stuff there. We've got people eagerly waiting for it. So it's good. Okay. Brilliant. Well, uh, thanks for your time, David. Been a pleasure as ever. Good to catch up. Um, after of course, this. I can't, I can't wait to ride bikes together. I'm hoping that's, um, I'm hoping that's sooner. Maybe yeah, soon. Uh, yeah. Same. Maybe Last... late, maybe late spring or something. Maybe. I'm up for it. I'm there. <laughs> cool. cool. Thank you, mate. All right. Thanks, Dave. So there we are then, a really interesting, open and honest conversation with David behind the design process of the new Synapse and the changes they made, and particularly the smart sense technology, this idea of integrating lights and radar and powered by a single battery and what it means for all of us. I personally can't wait to try it and see how it performs. Hopefully that happens very soon. But thank you for watching and for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I'll see you all again next time.